Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Annie. And, and this, this is Charitable Theology. Hey guys, welcome to episode one that we secretly have already recorded and there was an awful noise in the background. So now we get to read. <laughs> um, I love your honesty. Well, you know. So the first things first is we're just going to introduce ourselves. We're going to start with Annie. Hey, so I'm, yes, like she said, I'm Annie, and I am from Portland, Oregon, uh, but I've spent half, oh my goodness, like half my life here in Arizona now, and so I call Arizona home, and I recently graduated with my bachelor's in psychology. I kind of come from a broken home, so I really had this desire, you know, there was lots of abuse and, and you know I experienced my own trauma through that and I was just kind of inspired to I wanted to I want to be a therapist someday so I got my undergrad in um like I said psychology and what else I hope to go on to get my master's in art therapy I'm very I love artistic things I have a very old soul I like to crochet I was selling beanies for a while and I hope to get sort of like a Etsy or something up and running here this year. I love yoga. I'm just sort of naturally flexible. I, I've i always been that way. I taught myself how to balance on my head when I was three. And so I love yoga. I'm not a gym person. I, you won't really see me in the gym. I'm not very gifted in that way. And I'm always self-conscious. Like I feel like people are watching me. Um, I need to get that on my head, but yeah. Okay. So I, like I said, I grew up in a pretty broken home and it's very confusing for me because the God that my dog, that my dad talked about was not the God I was reading about in the Bible. So as a young adult, I really was confused a lot and I had moved away for college for a little bit. Then I moved back and I was you know, fighting with my dad a lot. And so I would go to work. I would just be tired and exhausted, just um, very like emotional from that. And this coworker who I didn't even know was a Christian just spoke life into me. And, you know, I was sharing with her stuff that was going on at home. And she just said, when are you going to stop fearing your earthly father and start fearing your heavenly father? And in that moment, I was like, I don't know. I just, I, I believed in what she was saying that, that, you know, I had this heavenly father from there. I just started reading my Bible and trying to learn about, you know, the God of the Bible and not the one that I had heard about growing up. I made myself go to church. I um, discovered how beautiful the body of Christ is and I got baptized. And so, yeah, that's my story. So I'm Kelly. I grew up in Orange County, California, a mom of three and a wife of the last almost seven years. Uh, my kids are five, four, and two. And yeah, and so I just, I grew up in a home, um, you know, I come from these really wonderful, faithful women. My grandmother was a believer and my mom loved Jesus, but my extended family aren't Christians and my brothers aren't Christians and my dad, I was told by my mom believes in God and 
Yeah. So I went to church until I was about six or seven. We went to a Baptist church that my grandmother went to. And then we stopped going to church. So I didn't really grow up in the church the way that, you know, a lot of kids do. Um, I, I professed faith in Christ from the time I was little. I believed I was a Christian. Um, but I didn't really know who Christ was. I didn't know what following Jesus looked like. I didn't know, um, anything that God said about himself. I just kind of was really discipled by culture. And I, and I did the cultural Christianity thing where I thought, um, it was just about being a good person and doing the best you can. And I really believed that up until I was 21 when my mom died and I had, praise God, enough of a foundation to know that things were really hard and I needed to get myself back into church. And so I asked my older brother's really cool friend. She, I just, uh, shout out to Kristen Lawrence if you're listening, <laughs> because I just thought she was the coolest human being alive. I, she was beautiful and she was funny and I desperately wanted my brother to marry her and he did not. But, um, I just asked her, I sent her a text message. I mean, we weren't super close or anything. She was just always nice to me. And I sent her a text message and I said, Hey man, I'm looking for a church. Do you have any recommendations? And she recommended uh, the church that became my home church for my whole time living in California. Uh, you know, God had his hand in it because it was a faithful Bible believing church. They taught the Bible. I went with a really good friend of mine who is one of my best friends to this day. And we sat through a series in Mark. They preached the whole book of Mark. And at the end of the series, they offered baptism. And her and I spontaneously got baptized on the same day right next to each other. And and I just, um, that's the place where I fell in love with God and the word of God. And I didn't know much and it took me a long time to learn anything. But that was where I, where I knew he saved me, where he found me. And, I started to learn about um, who he was. A couple years later, met my husband and we got married. Uh, we, he was in the Marine Corps and we met. And then five months later, we got engaged. And then 11 months after we met, we were married. And then three months after we married, we were pregnant with our first kid, which was not planned, but it was absolutely a blessing that we looked forward to. And then... He got out of the Marine Corps six weeks after she was born and we moved to Arizona and our lives fell apart. And uh, my husband, who is a combat veteran from the war in Afghanistan, uh, was suffering from some pretty bad untreated PTSD. And I had what I didn't know then, but I think now was um, postpartum depression. And we did not get into a church. And our lives were very hard and very dark. And I knew that God was good. And that was all I had. I didn't have any community. And my husband uh, was not interested in church or even really hearing or talking about God, let alone praying together or reading the Bible together. And uh, it was hard. And then um, four months after my first was born, we got pregnant with our second. Um, again, unplanned. <laughs> and then, but I was scared and I was underwater and I didn't know how I was going to make anything work. And she was born and my husband held her in the hospital and saw her and he looked at me and he said, I think we need to go back to church. Something needs to change. And we went to the 
first church that we found and my husband fell in love with the pastor there, which is a big deal for him. He didn't like church people, as he called them. And that's where we found our community and eventually where I met Annie. We met each other, me and Annie did, and we became pretty quick friends. Kind of how we wound up in my garage recording a podcast. So um, we have this idea to do five things that we want you guys to know about the other person. So Annie's going to start. Yeah. So what I was thinking is I was thinking I would share five things that I love about Kelly that I, I want you all to know. And the first is her realness. I didn't have a friend for a long time uh, that I could be real with. And Kelly was kind of that first person for me. I just immediately felt that and knew um, by the way that she spoke and that I could just be real around her. And, and she's so real. And uh, the first time I was in her home, she, uh, you know, I, I was asking about her, about her testimony and she shared and then she asked about mine. And I was kind of like, well, do you want like the short version or the long, super honest version? And she was like, let's do this. Like, let's just be real. Like, give me the long version. And she, she listened to me and made me feel safe and comfortable. And yeah, she was the first person I could just be real with. And I just, I love that about her. Uh, the second thing I love about her is that she doesn't back down from her convictions. If you know, Kelly, um, she is just has fact checks. She knows where she stands on issues and she is not willing to compromise her convictions for the sake of making other people happy. And she will accept the things that you have to say and she will listen, but she does not, like I said, back down from her convictions. She stands in them. And I just really appreciate her boldness in that. And uh, let's see. The third thing I love about her is that she makes people uh, feel loved. She makes you her family. Her and her husband told me pretty quickly into our relationship that I was family. And one of the first times I was in their home, Cody told me that the door was always opened and that I was family. And, and he didn't even hardly know me. You know, he didn't know if I was, you know, a reputable person or not, but he called me family. Now he calls me sister and I call him brother and it's great. But I love that, that Kelly just meant it when she said that our door is open. You know, I love that about her. The fourth thing I love about Kelly is she is so passionate. She does this thing um, when you're sharing things in life with her and she just, she'll start speaking life into you. She gets really passionate and, you know, tears will well up in her eyes and uh, you just know that you have been heard because of the way she just cares for you and speaks so passionately and boldly just truth into your life. And then the fifth thing I put is um, I love her because she's brought my best friends into the world. Her three kids are just, I adore them. I love them so much. Her oldest, uh, we call each other BFF. So I don't even really call her by her first name very much anymore. I just Hey BFF, and she'll be like, "Hey BFF, it's really cute." Yeah, I love her for making cute kids. 
<laughs> okay, so something that you should know about this is that we kept these uh, facts from each other before we read them for the first time here. And it was just, in all honesty, my idea to do this. And I was not thinking, oh, hey, like, Annie, compliment me. But she's, like, just got the most beautiful soul in the whole world. And she is, like, so gracious with her words and her compliments that, like, she blesses me. I mean, I, I'm so grateful for her. And then I'm also embarrassed to share my five facts because they're not as nice and touching feeling as the Annie's are because I'm not as good of a person as Annie's. So my first thing about Annie is I just wrote Annie's perseverance. You guys, this girl, since I have known her, has been through more life than most people would know what to do with. I mean, just things that would have crumbled a normal person that would have shaken them that would have made them a shell of themselves she has not just walked through but she has worshipped her way through i have stood next to her while her hands are raised high to a good god in the midst of the craziest storms and uh and she has just been this like shining picture of god's grace through it all and she man like um, a lot of people don't know that Annie doesn't have immediate family that lives near us, um, out here in Phoenix. She, she has some, she has like an aunt and an uncle and they're really wonderful to her. But, um, most of her family lives out of state. And man, when I first met her, she was just moving out of her mom's home and she was a college student and she was, you know, financially supporting herself with, um, no net. And it was just, I mean, she just did things that most kids don't do, like most college kids don't do. And she did them with such grace and poise and, um, you know, in such a way that did honor and glorify God, even in the points that were weakness for her. It was just this really beautiful thing to watch. And it really strengthened, um, like my faith and my belief that God will just pull anyone through anything. Cause some of that stuff, man, she shouldn't have made it through. <laughs> Um, in, in any worldly explanation, she would not have made it through as well as she did. Okay, my next one is that she doesn't like to be called a hipster, even though she totally is a hipster. Annie has this, like, really amazing, effortless sense of style that, like, I would say belong on the cover of Vogue, but she's way more, like, fashion forward than that. And I feel like Vogue is way too, like, stuffy. But she is just like, she's beautiful and she's creative with her clothes and she's creative with like her, the type of music she listens to and she loves poetry and she's just, and she loves like, you know, random one-off coffee houses and you're just always going to find her like taking a fancy Instagram picture and like elevate coffee and she's just, I mean, that's just who she is. She's, and it's not because she's trying. Like, this is not like, oh, she's trying so hard. Like, she's just naturally a hipster. And she hates to be called it, but it is 100% what she is. And it's something that I just, I really do love that about her. And then my number three is the same as her number five. <laughs> that um, my kids think that she's their friend, not my friend. My oldest, if my oldest feels like I'm monopolizing Annie's time too much when Annie is here, she'll let me know. And she asks me all the time, when is Miss Annie going to come just watch me? When is she going to come babysit me? Because she wants her all to herself and she doesn't want me to, um, you know, be taking up all of Annie's time and attention. And it makes my heart so happy because they don't love everyone the way that they love Annie, but they sure love her. 
And then the next one is she's just, she's creative. She's an artist and she worships the creator by the way that she creates. She paints and she writes and she crochets and, and she's a reader. She appreciates good art. Like everything about her loves and absorbs like art. And then she just creates out of this love for it. And it's really cool to see. And I mean, like, I know she like jokes about being a 90 year old who crochets, but like she doesn't just like, Oh, she's like making scarves or making blankets. Like I'm sure she could, but she's like making these, she's making her own patterns for these really beautiful creations. And she makes her own sweaters. Like who does that? And not like old lady granny sweaters, like these beautiful, like bell sleeved, fancy looking sweaters that like oh like you could have bought that at Nordstrom's but she didn't she just made it and she made up a pattern from her own brain like it's just this really fun thing to watch because y'all I knit but not like that um I knit in the old lady way and then um the last thing was just the first thing she ever said to me which is just the most Annie thing that's ever happened in the entire world like if you know her it'll just make sense to you but We were at our old church building and the way that it was set up was, um, we rented two buildings. One, they were like in the strip mall. And so we had one on one side of the street and one on the other side of the street. And the one on the, on the other side of the street was like our offices and the student room. And then on the opposite side of the street was the worship center. And I had to, I had to, I mean, there was just like no parking in this place. And so we parked in front of the, offices and Annie was parked pretty close to us. I don't know if it was right next to us. And she just got out of the car and she looks over at me and she's if you know her, she's just like this little elf and she at the time had like this long hair down to her butt and she gets out of the car and she looks at me and she goes, Hey, you have a septum ring. Ah, I have a septum ring tool. It's so good to see somebody else with one. And it was just like there it was. There was a jump off point for our friendship. She just found some commonality and she's like, Cool, we're friends now. And it did take us a couple months to like really actually start talking after that. And that was mostly my fault. But it's just the most anything that has ever happened. She just will find a a point of commonality with you and she's gonna make friends with you no matter what. Thanks, friend. I think the stuff you shared was beautiful. It was... Yeah. So, Annie, I'm interested in hearing your version of how this podcast came about. Um. So, my version is... We joke about this a lot, but... I think that Kelly suggested it. Um, for sure not. For sure she did. Um, but it, it started as this joke. And I don't think either of us, no matter who started it, really thought that we were going to start a podcast. Um, but it just sort of started as this joke because we were just always having, we're just always having these conversations where we're um, talking about, you know, where we stand theologically and just getting into these really in-depth conversations and we were just kind of a joke, like, we just need to start a podcast because I don't know about you, but I felt like we'd have really good conversations and just kind of thought, like, wouldn't it be cool if other people could, you know, hear this? And we we really do want to be a light for the gospel and, and share Jesus with others and grow his kingdom in that way. Uh, so, yeah. And I feel like maybe Cody was like, because he likes to listen, her husband likes to listen to our conversations. And I feel like maybe he even joked about it at one point. I don't know. There's a good chance. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe another question we get is why charitable theology? Mm-hmm. And one thing that I love about mine and Amy's friendship is that uh, we're really, really different. <laughs> um, you know, obviously we're in very different stages of our lives. Annie is young and cool <laughs> and she lives in the city with her really awesome roommate who's also young and cool and she's super fancy and awesome. And then, you know, I'm a square mom of three. I'm married. I live in the burbs. And, you know, uh, we lead very different lives. We come from very different homes. And then theologically, we come at things from very different perspectives. We have things that we disagree on. I, I hold to reformed theology. And so that would be hardcore, at least four points of the five points of Calvinism, but they're probably all five of them for me. I don't call myself a Calvinist. I usually say that I'm a Christian with Reformed theology because I just don't think that anybody else, um, I don't need my name to be after anybody other than Jesus, but I do love me some Calvin and some Luther. And, and so, um, that's kind of the, the space that I'm coming from. And I, and I'm, I'm pretty confident in claiming that tribe and Annie's not there exactly. Where would you, how would you describe where you're coming from, from a theological perspective? Um, well, I was, you know, raised Presbyterian, which is very reformed, but now as an adult and, you know, just kind of reading the Bible for myself, I'm very much of a liberal Christian, I would say. And so, um, that's, we're very different in that way. Um, but we still love each other and we give grace. Mostly she does. Also, I just want to say, I think it's so funny when you say that I'm young. You're always, Kelly's always calling me young as if she's old, but she's like only three years older than me. So I am old and I feel a lot. I'm almost four years older than her to be, therefore being real here. But yeah. And so, um, you know, Annie calls herself a a liberal Christian or like has a liberal theological position. I have obviously what is a pretty conservative theological position, but things that we have in common are just bigger. You know, we, we hold to Orthodox Christianity. We both um, say that we hold to the inerrancy and the authority of scripture over and above anything man could say. We both say that we, that there is objective truth. We think that one of those objective truths is that Jesus died and rose again on the third day. Um, we think there is no Christianity without that. So um, where we might have differences on secondary and tertiary issues, we absolutely, um, you will not hear us compromising on the primary issues of Orthodox Christianity. And so we, in that sense, call each other sisters in Christ. We go to the same church. We go to a non-denominational church. I don't, I don't attend a reformed church and, um, and we just love each other and we, and we, we do our lives together. And I think that one of the big things that is missing is, you know, we live in this day of tribalism and division and, you know, identity politics. And, and if you disagree, you're intolerant. And I think that one of the really cool things about our relationship is we disagree a lot but I think that we're very tolerant of one another that, and we're, we're more than tolerant. We love one another. And so um, we don't shy away from the hard conversations. We absolutely do disagree and, and we lean into those disagreements, but it's always respectful. It's always kind. It's always loving. And it's always knowing, you know, we're in the safety of this relationship that end, at the end of the day, um, if anything goes wrong in one of our lives, we can call the other person and the other person's going to show up. And it doesn't matter if, you know, we disagreed on some dumb secondary issue of theology. And we think that that matters. We think 
I think that that isn't represented enough in today's culture where you say, oh, yeah, we're different and I love you. We live in this cancel culture world where if you disagree with me, then you're out and you're wrong and you're this and you're that. And I just think that, man, we could use more of people uniting in the things that we can unite in and having our hands open around things that aren't as important as primary orthodox issues. Yeah, I think we just see so many Christians letting their friendships, you know, end or die because they think that they have to agree on things that they don't have to agree on. You know, like Kelly said, we realize that the things we disagree on are truly secondary issues. And we just wanted, we wanted people to see that you know, you can give grace and you can disagree, but still have healthy, beautiful, thriving friendships and good conversations because disagreeing allows you to just those conversations that, you know, spark out of the disagreement, cause you to um, learn new things and see things from a new perspective. It's an opportunity to grow from to grow from each other and yeah we just really wanted people to to see that two christians can have a good healthy relationship and uh, be charitable with their theology amen okay so the way that we wanted to structure these podcasts is that we want to kind of do two topics and so um, one of the topics will generally be a little bit more like cultural whether that's you know culture at large or whether that's the christian subculture And then one of them will usually be a little bit more of a higher view theological topic. And so today we wanted to talk about John MacArthur telling Beth Moore to go home, which um, we know happened a while ago. That happened in October of 2019. But um, we really wanted to just have a little bit of a conversation on it because Annie and I have really different, we're coming from really different perspectives on that issue. And then after that, we want to have a little bit of a conversation about New Year, New Me, and kind of what we think and how we feel about New Year's resolutions and how our theology shapes our perspective on that. So, Annie, why don't you just tell us about what happened with John MacArthur? Yeah, so John MacArthur is um, involved in this panel. Um, I think they meet yearly or something, and it's this uh, group of men who get together on a panel, and the guy kind of leading the conversation, hosting, I guess, he gives them a name of another Christian speaker or author, and they have to come up with a one-word response to um, that person. And John MacArthur was given uh, the name Beth Moore. His response was, go home. That's because he doesn't believe that a woman can be a pastor. And it's just this... For me, it's really disheartening because... It's literally the intention is to, or it it seems like the intention is to bash other um, believers. And I just don't see how you are properly, you know, sharing the gospel with others if you're tearing other believers down. For me, what's the point of a panel or, you know, conversation if you are just intentionally poking fun at someone and... Um, especially somebody like Beth Moore, who 
loves Jesus and she reads her Bible and um, she studies and she has great Bible studies and it's something that she said she believes she's called to. And I don't really think it's our place to say that, you know, she's not or that she's wrong in, in feeling that way. And so for me, it's just really uh, disheartening to see other other believers who, you know, John MacArthur has studied the Bible too well. And, and I think that he's said a lot of great things for the sake of the gospel. Um, but when you do something like get together with other people to poke fun of other people, it almost sort of discredits, like, I think a little bit, you know, all the good they've had to offer. And I don't know if discredit is the right word, but yeah, so I, I find it just really heartbreaking to see that happening in um, a Christian community. And I, you'll hear me say this a lot, but like, I don't think, you know, you're winning people over to the gospel if you're not loving your neighbor as yourself. And and the reform side of Kelly, you know, we would, you know, and I would agree with this, like people don't save people like Jesus, you know, God saves people, but there's something about, you know, um, evangelizing and sharing the gospel. And we are, you know, God asks us that, you know, we would love him. Um, but then he follows that up with and love your neighbor as yourself. And I don't think we're doing that if we're getting together and poking fun at people. Yeah, I think that, you know, I come from a little bit of a different perspective than Annie in that whereas Annie would affirm women pastors, I would say that I don't see a place in the Bible where we are given the ability to to give women the role of pastor, overseer, elder. And so I'm just going to say that I attend a church that has a women's pastor and I do that. No, I, I, I went there knowing that she was a women's pastor and I love her and she is faithful and she loves the Bible. And this is um, not at all a slight against a d- specific person. And obviously I have my hands open a little bit around this issue because I go to a church that calls a woman a pastor. I will say she does not preach most Sunday mornings. She does maybe once a year and she preaches the word of God. I would just say that, you know, in my reading of the Bible, I would, I, I don't see where women are given that role, but I will say that I, I, as a teacher of the Bible in my local community, I believe that women are supposed to teach the word. I believe that women are supposed to be in leadership roles. I believe that the church would be lacking if it did not have women in teaching and leadership roles. I just believe that there's a distinction. I see a distinction in the Bible in preaching in the gathering and being a pastor, overseer, elder. And I think I see a distinction in those gender roles. What, what I'm called theologically would be, my position would be called a complementarian position. And this is a position that believes that while men and women absolutely hold equal value, which comes from the imago Dei, the image of God put within them, they would have distinct roles. And those distinct roles aren't necessarily what you would think of culturally, right? It's not that women clean the house and men bring home the bacon. And this isn't, this isn't laid out in the Bible, but that, that there are places that God has laid out what we see in the Bible as parameters for men and parameters for women. And, and so, yeah, I, I just, I do want to say that 
as a woman who leads in my church and as a woman who teaches women in my church, I believe that women are valuable and women have the ability to bring God's word to life. And so it is not at all to demean that. And so back to John MacArthur and Beth Moore, man, I think it's crappy what he said. I just hate it. I hate that that is coming from my camp. I hate, I hate it. I think it's ugly. I think it's mean. I think it's disrespectful. I think that first of all, if Beth Moore wanted to be pastor Beth Moore, she would have no trouble being such. She just wouldn't. It would not be difficult for her to obtain that title. Um, there are plenty of churches in America that would be excited to give it to her. And, um, she has not tried to be. And so does she preach from a pulpit some Sundays, Sunday mornings? Yes. Does she hold a different position than me on that? Absolutely. But Beth Moore is a faithful teacher of God's word who has advanced the kingdom and has spent decades doing so well and better than I could. And, and where I disagree with her is not as big or as important as the wonderful work that she has done with her life. And I think to dismiss that and diminish that with two words is un. Christ-like. And, you know, I John MacArthur is a faithful expositor of the word on Sunday mornings, and he is a gifted teacher. And in the same way that I would not want to discredit Beth Moore because she preaches from a pulpit on Sunday mornings, I wouldn't say that John MacArthur doesn't have um, things to give for the kingdom. But I'll tell you that more often than not, as someone in the Reformed camp who hears a lot about John MacArthur, he bothers me. I do not like his brash attitude. I do not like the way he speaks. I don't think that he has the humility that I am looking for in leadership positions. I have a friend who loves his teaching. I have a friend who was, who's, um, grown spiritually, whose, um, marriage has benefited from listening to his sermons and, and I think that, I think that he has value to add. I just think that I disapprove of his tone often. And, and as someone who's coming from a complementarian position, a probably, hopefully a more charitable complementarian position than he is, I would just, I just, I dislike that that, that he is seen as representing that position because I think, I think, you know, obviously I believe my position is a faith a faithful position. I don't think it's the ultimate be all end all, but obviously it's where I land. So I think it's a faithful position. And I think that it sucks to have a faithful position represented by a rude guy. Because, you know, I feel like Christians on the of the more liberal end of the spectrum have a lot easier of a time uh, giving grace sometimes to our atheist neighbors or to our neighbors of other religions. And, and they don't give that grace to the people that land on a different place in their own religion to their, to what the Bible would call their brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. And, and so, and I think some of that is because of people like John MacArthur saying things like this, but I've heard on a very popular podcast an author and speaker who was a woman say very unkind things about John Piper about wanting to take over his Twitter and just be a woman posting about how valuable women are in preaching roles and, and just, and completely, misrepresenting John Piper's position, uh, having not ever obviously heard anything that he said on the matter, not giving two thoughts about maybe putting nuance into this brother's position. You can disagree with somebody and still listen to their position. And um, she obviously had not done that. And she was rude <laughs> about it. And, and that happens to the people on the conservative side of the spectrum 
often where it, we are not given the same grace that often our brothers and sisters on the liberal side are willing to give even non-believers. And I think that's also unfortunate. So I don't think there's any excuse for the things that John MacArthur said. And I think that he, um, for those of us on the more conservative side, he is doing more damage than good for what we believe is a faithful position. Yeah. And I, it's sad to me. I feel like John Piper is sort of, like a, he's sort of gotten like bashed and stuff. I think people are confusing them, but yeah, John Piper is a uh, conservative, but he's he's not John MacArthur, and so I feel like a lot of people have gotten them mixed up. So he is a different person, and so yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, if you're old and have gray hair and are reformed, you might as whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what do you think about talking a little bit bit about New Year, New Me? I'm ready. Let's do it. Get it, girl. Okay, so I am not really one for uh, New Year's resolutions. I'm not a fan of them. I used to always try to, um, you know, have a New Year, like a New Year's resolution. Um, I tried that for the longest time, and I just, I'm a human, and I mess up, and I just found myself more often than not not holding to those resolutions and just feeling really discouraged in myself and and down and I just decided that it wasn't really for me. I I think as we grow, I, I think we're just always supposed to be growing and maturing in our relationships with Christ. And I think I can do that without having to have a New Year's resolution. And I like I said, I just think that, you know, just because it's a new year doesn't, or, you know, when I have this new year's resolution, I don't think it, you know, um, necessarily benefits me personally, but I think it's great for other people. I know a lot of people who do it and they set goals and they achieve them. But for me, someone who is just not as good about follow through, I just didn't want to, you know, make a commitment to something that I knew I would probably you know, I don't know, mess up, I guess. I do, however, love, I like to come up with a word that's going to be sort of my word for the year. And, you know, I don't think that's, you know, necessarily any better or, you know, biblical and or anything like that. I just, um, it's been a lot easier for me to come up with a word that I want to represent my year. I want to, I want that word to be something I can fall back on. For me, it's a lot easier to fall back on, you know, one word than, you know, oh, I messed up my New Year's resolution. So this year, my word uh, for 2020 is accept. I want to accept challenges. I want to accept trials. I want to accept new people into my life. I want to accept new ideas, all of those things. And so accept is my word for 2020. And then I know there can be like a little bit of a difference between like, New Year's resolutions and then like New Year, New Me. I guess they're kind of the same thing, but yeah, I don't really believe that, you know, it's a new year, it's a new you, like you're the same person. And, um, yeah. I love your word. I love accept. And I think that's awesome. I think it's funny because I think that people who maybe know me and Annie 
would think that our roles would be reversed here because I tend to be like the hypercritical one who always has something to say against like popular culture. And, um, Annie's usually the one who's like awesome and spiritual and positive. And, um, and it's so funny because I love a new year. <laughs> I love a clean slate. I think it's like a, a bigger picture of God's mercies being new every morning. And like, that is true every morning and I can practice better. I can reflect on that. Um, every morning but i think like new year is just kind of this bigger way of thinking of that like clean slate new year his mercies are new today and they're not new in a different way than they were yesterday but just in the same way that god built these patterns into ancient israel's life where they had seventh day sabbath and then they had every seventh year they had a whole year of rest and the year of jubilee where they forgave all debts and they had these really beautiful rhythms that God had put into place so that they could remember some really specific theological truths. I think that we can do the same thing with principles in our lives today. And so I love being able to feel like, okay, new year, his mercies are new. I can, I can start this year off without holding myself down with the things that I regret from last year, the things that I feel like I didn't do well enough. And like I said, I know that that is true every day and I can reflect on that every day, but I love something that builds in that pattern that makes me kind of remember and reflect on that even more. And so, yeah, I do not like new year, new me because it's new year, same me, but praise God. It's the same God too. And it's the same God that you know, I'm not going to make a resolution that is going to change my whole life around this year. And I, I try not to fool myself into thinking every everything's going to be different. And at the end of this year, I'm going to be a whole new person because I'm not. I'm still me. I still have the same sinful heart. I still, I still don't do the right thing. I still choose the wrong thing. I still don't have enough willpower and motivation to reach every single goal I've ever had. But I also have the same God who has been pulling me through year after year and who gets me to the end of the year and I can look back and I can say, okay, I'm a little bit more patient than I was last year. I am, I'm persevering a little bit more than I did last year. I'm in my word a little bit more. I'm praying without ceasing a little bit more, not without ceasing, but I'm praying with less ceasing. <laughs> and and so it's not a new me, but it's the same God that's been pulling me through and making me new slowly but surely. And so, yeah, I love a new year and I do make resolutions. And I, I almost always start a Bible reading plan that I'm not fooling myself into thinking that I will finish. Um, I usually quit by March. I don't quit reading the Bible, but I don't love the fast pace of a Bible reading plan and I'm usually over it. And I, and I, and I start going slower because I like to go slower and I like to do, you know, word studies and all that dorky stuff. But I like the idea of trying, <laughs> trying to get through a Bible reading plan. Maybe one year I really will. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I think that I love a new year, but I'm with you. I'm not about new year, new me, because I'm just, I'm just same me that God is changing little by little to look a little bit more like Jesus. I love it. Do you, do you have a new year's resolution for this year? Do I have a new year's resolution? Well, I don't know if I have a new year's resolution specifically. Like Cody and I 
have this tradition that sometimes we're bad at following through with where on New Year's we write out this prayer that we have for the year and we put it in an envelope and we read it next year. So we did that. And it's just fun to look and see how God answered all of these prayers in a way that um, I didn't expect it to, or I wasn't thinking about. Like, I, you know, you, when you pray something, sometimes you have a really specific outcome you're looking for. And then at the end of the year, it's fun to look and see, oh, I got, I got the thing that I asked for, but it wasn't the thing that I, it wasn't the way that I was expecting it to come about. And it's fun to watch how um, God is just, his ways are so much bigger than ours and the way that he accomplishes things is so much better than we could have ever even thought to ask for. And that like, he's just this God of abundance that um, blesses even bigger than you originally could have thought to ask for. And I love, like, I love that. And so I'm trying, we're trying to really do that. I Obviously we did it this year, but like, We've been meaning to do it every year, and we just, sometimes, it's not an every year thing for us, even though I love it so much. I love that. That's cool. The last thing that we're going to do is, every episode, we're going to give you guys a recommendation, and the idea is this is just, it doesn't even have to be Christian, it's not in a certain category, it's just this idea of, like, this is a thing that has been blessing us lately, or that has been, like, making our lives better lately, and so I am going to recommend that you guys go follow Jackie Hill Perry on Instagram. If you don't know who she is, she's just this freaking awesome woman who loves Jesus, and she's cool, and she's fashionable, and she's a poet, and a writer, and author, she's a Bible teacher, she is so as she has a beautiful testimony she is a wonderful follow on instagram and she's got like she you know she loves food so she's always cooking and she's got these really beautiful kids and this really awesome husband and um she's just fun to watch she's also very real so you don't like watch her and feel like really jealous of how awesome her life is (laughs) which i appreciate and then also she like starts a bunch of her posts like if she does a video it's always she has this catchphrase where she says hello saints and my beloved ain't and it's just, it's cool. And I'm never going to be that cool. I'm never going to have a cool catchphrase like that. But I just want like a shirt and a mug and like hats and purses that say, hello, saints and my beloved ain't <laughs> because she's so awesome. So anyways, go follow her. She's wonderful. And I think she'll improve your life. And I think she'll help you understand the gospel and God better. And so she's just at Jackie Hill Perry on Instagram. What's, what about you, Anne? What do you got? Well, my recommendation is I've really been obsessed with glitter eyeshadow lately and if you know me at all I'm I'm really not a glittery person it's just not my thing I think it's pretty to look at but I hate how messy it is it's just a big huge mess and it gets everywhere I mean I will like I said I like how it looks so like I'll use it sometimes in art but for the most part I stay away from it but I've been obsessed with glitter eyeshadow lately I just love the way it looks it's so much fun and so I found this glitter eyeshadow palette that I get from Walmart it's hard candy and it's actually not that messy it comes with like a little applicator and so I just put it on and it it stays so well and it's only like six dollars and it's you know I think I've had it for like almost a year now it lasts a really long time and you've been rocking it yes I'm obsessed with it but also kind of along with that recommendation I am in love with just being frugal and I just get this adrenaline rush from, you know, frugal shopping. And I recently discovered that Dollar General has a lot of cool makeup products. And yes, it's so awesome. I mean, they don't have a big selection like, you know, other drugstores, you know, like Target or Walmart, but they have some really cool brands and cool matte lipsticks and 
yeah, I just don't have money to shop at Sephora. And so I buy my makeup from Dollar General and I'm not ashamed of it. And it's really affordable. And hey, like, honestly, as long as I feel like I have nice makeup on, like Sephora, I'm, I'm good to go. So yeah. Thanks. Yeah, that's my recommendation. So. Alright guys, I think that's it. I think that's our first episode for you. <laughs> Yay! If you guys like it, please subscribe. We are brand new, so we could really use all the help you can get on getting the word out there. So if you subscribe, that helps. If you share our podcast, that helps. If you comment or rate or like, anything can help. And so we'd be really grateful. If you guys have any questions or you have anything that you want to say, we would love to hear about it. We'd love it if you post it either in our Instagram comments or in our comments on um, whatever podcast or podcast catcher you're using. Um, yeah, and you guys will hear from us next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.